0: Accomplishment Coaching is proud to present the following fine programming. I just Accomplishment like that guy's Coaching, voice. where coaches lead and leaders coach. Accomplishmentcoaching.com. He sounds trustworthy I feel like Welcome to The Coaching Show with your host, Master Certified Coach, Christopher McCollum. Thank you, the eternal spirit of Dick Warren, and thank you, my dear listener, for being with us today. Uh, you will not be sorry. You're going to be delighted and inspired and heartwarmed, and, well, all the feels today. Uh, it's going to be an extraordinary show. What we need to tell you is, uh, let's see, on our business uh, items of list, here, let me shuffle some paper so I sound important, uh, is we've got one more conference before the conference season is done the capital coaches conference is uh in washington d c each year it's a great lineup it's uh put on by great people and you can find out more by going to and i'm guessing here icf metro dc dot well, let's go with com and see what happens why not um, find out more about the capital coaches conference by going to icf metro dc dot org icf metro dc dot org don't do what I did do what i'm telling you to do that's how i parent also um an extraordinary uh conference this year it's in october so hurry up because you need to register immediately uh in addition we want to let you know um there's something happening in the sky mercury and the moon are close by so check that out tonight in the sky if you're listening to us live or in the near future and uh Our longtime sponsor of this program is Accomplishment Coaching. If you're looking for the world's finest coach training program, if you're looking for high standards, for rigor, for something that's going to challenge you to your core, check out Accomplishment Coaching. Uh, Designed from the very beginning to be the world's finest coach training program. We're not talking about hyperbole here. We're not talking about a sales gimmick or a slogan. It's really true. They have designed it to create more hours of being coached, more hours of actually coaching live human beings. It's in person, small group training. So there's no place to hide in that room. It's an extraordinary training program, truly transformational. And uh, they've got, they do something that nobody else does in the industry, which I think is extraordinary because they've been doing it for uh, almost 20 years and nobody else is doing this, which is they invite you, you, my dear listener, you, you wearing your socks uh, to come in and actually observe the coaches training program in action so you can get a feel for it it's not a sales pitch it's not a presentation it's not a scripted thing just the real training in action so you can check it out it happens in cities all across north america check it out in victoria british columbia if you're in canada which is a beautiful place to be san diego california another fine city Uh, seattle washington or chicago illinois new york city and our nation's capital washington dc which could use some coaching am i right the um, thing that I want you to know about Accomplishment Coaching is that all those programs are open for registration now, but if you're looking to jump right in, there's a program that's called a Fly-In Version, where uh, half the number of trips to San Diego is open for registration right now. It's an abbreviated uh, schedule, but the entire program, uh, check it out, San Diego Modular Program. Check it all out by going to AccomplishmentCoaching.com. Dot com. That's accomplishmentcoaching.com, home of the world's finest coach training program, and we mean it, and we thank them for their longtime support of this here program and podcast. By the way, uh, I'm not sure how you're listening to us. You might be on the iTunes or the RSS feed in one of those podcast places, but check it out. Accomplishmentmedia.com is coming to you, and it's going to be a storehouse of all things coaching and coach-related and human development-related and leadership-oriented and just an incredible storehouse curated for your protection of uh, great content. Check it out, accomplishmentmedia.com. I believe they were doing a soft launch this month and a, an official, would it be a hard launch? Uh, who? Uh, next month, uh, accomplishmentmedia.com. Check it out, and if you're within the sound of my voice, you know, it's gonna it's going to rock your socks off. I seem to be focused on socks today. All right, I think that's it for announcement and business. Any other business, gentlemen? I refer to you as gentlemen. Uh, the, uh, let's see. I, I feel like I want to tell you, like there's a big bio of our guest today. I've got, I've got one guest for our entire hour together, and it's an impressive bio. I'm not going to kid you, but here's the thing. The human is even more impressive and delightful in person. Jay Perry is one of the true pioneers of our profession of coaching. He's coached and led workshops for thousands of people around the world on all sorts of topics, everything from business planning and leadership to communication, coaching skills, and transformational change. He's been a coach since 1991 when he began working with Thomas Leonard, a legend of, uh, in our profession and in the world. And Jay participated in the creation of some of the largest institutions in coaching, including Coach University and the International Coach Federation. He's worked with big clients including AT&T, GlaxoSmithKline, Shell, and more. But he's also got an MFA from Ohio University, a BFA from Boston University, and a background as an actor, teacher, director, stage manager, and theater owner. In the 1980s, he created uh, and operated the Actors Information Project to empower performing artists to take charge of their careers. He served as CEO, of a digital imaging and archiving business, he's an incredible man, and currently on the teaching faculty of ADDCA, the ADD Coaching Academy. He works with people who've been diagnosed with ADD to take advantage of their special gifts. He's also co-author of Take Charge of Your Talent, Three Keys to Thriving in Your Career, Organization, and Life, is a master coach, and I'm delighted to welcome him to this microphone. Hello, Jay. Hi, Chris.
1: <laughs> I'm laughing. First of all, I love listening to your voice. It's just such a beautiful voice. So I could sit here all day and just listen to your voice. And I was, I was sort of glad when your the bio came to an end. I was hoping it wasn't going to go on for the entire
0: time. <laughs> but we could, you know, we could. Uh, thank you for your kind words. And um, listen, first of all, look around outside. I know you're you normally like to communicate that you're in an undisclosed location, but where do you find yourself today in the world? I'm
1: in my office in Charlottesville, Virginia.
0: You're a brave man to be in Charlottesville. What do you? Um, let's start there. You're in a profession that speaks to the greatness of human beings, that speaks to our highest and best, and uh, brings people to their purpose-based living. Why Charlottesville? What? What had you choose that neighborhood? And what have you seen through the years as we've encountered Charlottesville in the news?
1: Uh, Well, there's a long story to why I'm in Charlottesville. The the short one is that we were um, sort of done with the New York City area and looking for a a place to live in a just a a bit more laid-back setting. We found a great high school for our son. That worked out beautifully. Um, And I just fell in love with the place. It's just, you know, right near the Blue Ridge Mountains. It's Thomas Jefferson's hometown. I love a university town. The just sort of keeps me young. And there's plenty of culture, so I'm not missing the the bigger city places. Mm-hmm. Um, four seasons, but it's milder. Uh, just an easy, easy place to connect with people. I found it much easier to make friends and great friends than than I did in the busy, the busier towns like New York and Boston and and San Francisco. So I love it. I love it. I love it. The the changes. Um, You know, what happened last year was um, a a curse and a blessing in in a way. If you take a much longer view, it was just a a bunch of idiocy and people slow to react because they didn't want to believe um, that all that stuff was going on. And when it hit and hit so hard, it was certainly a wake-up call. Locally, it was a wake-up call for racial division you know, I mean, this is sort of a place where everybody can put on a, I shouldn't say everybody, but most people can put on a happy face and go, aren't we so great? Mm-hmm. But we had to come face to face with the, the ongoing racial divides, uh, with poverty, um, with, you know, with some of the, the darker sides of even what happens in a beautiful place like this. So that's what I've been seeing over the last year. Um, the, the young woman who was, who was killed, uh, Heather Heyer's mom, uh, his name is Susan Bro, took that as an as an inspiration to um, to bring a message of love into the world and when she I, I've seen her any number of times and and she's just that's you know, one of the things about Charlottesville. everybody hangs out it's not there are a lot of celebrities here. Um, <laughs> John Grisham lives here since so he's basic. I mean a whole bunch of people uh, dave Dave Matthews uh, came out of here. Uh, But it's just like, you know, people are just people. You just connect. And uh, Susan's basically said, we we can't, you know, I've mourned and grieved over my daughter, but we can't spend more time on that. There's so much for us to do looking forward. So that's really been sort of the inspiration of this place. Um, It's no different than any other place in the country, probably, is that there are still deep divides, but... um, I'm encouraged. I'm inspired by some of the people I see around me, so I'm, I'm happy to be have this proximity
0: to it. Thanks for sharing that. I want to um, go back to something you said. It's not the only thing I took from what you said, but you, uh, my ears pricked up when you talked about making friends. You and I are at an age where we have the gray put in our hair now, um, and I, I'm finding it more and more challenging to make friends. I mean, real friends. There are a lot of business, a lot more business acquaintances and people that you meet at. You know, highfalutin functions. How, what do you find is important or how are you at making friends at this time of your life? It's interesting. Um,
1: this has to be over 20 years ago now. I'm well over 20 years ago, maybe 23, 24 years ago. I, I actually woke up to that recognition that I wasn't good at it, I wasn't good <laughs> at making friends. And I dedicated a year. It was sort of my theme for the year, and I advertised it to people that I wanted to do um, some exploration of what it what would it take for me to be good at making friends and being a good friend. And it, I don't think it, what I learned was earth-shattering, as probably most of the world knew it, but it was what I had to learn. Um, and it was a lot about my own vulnerability, my... My ability to allow other people to have an impact on me, you know, not not being so in, so impressed with myself or trying to make people like me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if i ever ever told you this this story, but uh, <laughs> I was in I was in a workshop, a consciousness raising workshop, uh, at one point, and it was being led by this fabulous man from India and I had one of those revelations one has Mm -hmm. in those kinds of workshops and so I waved my hand and and got called out and I stood up and I said I see it now I see it I'm a jerk (laughs) (laughs) and he said in his kind loving voice no 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 Jay it's not that you are a jerk it's that you will always be a jerk (laughs) And I know some people don't get it the way I got it, but it, for me it was like Shaktipat. It lit up my brain in this mm. way, of realizing that I had spent so much of my life trying to make people think I wasn't a jerk. And the more I was willing to be that jerk, which for me is just the perfectly imperfect human being that I am, the easier it was for people to for me to let people in or for people to get access and. Um, and I think that served me well in, in the friends arena.
0: Beautiful. It reminds me of, uh, of a similar thing where I paid money and you know, I chose to do the um, the landmark work only when Werner Erhard himself was going to be there because I was going to show that guy to be the fraud that he was. Of course, it didn't work out that way for me, <laughs> because I. Uh, found the transformational aspect of that work very intriguing and delightful and powerful for myself and for some others in my circle but uh at one point he said in the program something very similar which is try and find the the deeper value of the realization that you're a jerk and your life doesn't work (laughs) and i'm like oh okay i could do that You said something earlier, uh, you know, not unlike the Righteous Brothers have sung to you uh, that you are the soul and inspiration (laughs) for a lot of leaders, of leaders in the coaching field, leaders uh, in every field, really. What do you do for your, when you're having a down day or need some inspiration or need to sort of connect with your soul, what are some of your practices? Anything you're willing to share?
1: Uh, Oh, wow. God, you're you're going deep fast.
0: (laughs) That's Um, what, never
1: mind. Certainly, certainly, music is, is one of the things I turn to, and I've got my my own catalog of things. Um, uh, Elvis Costello is a big one mm. for me. Um, What's so funny about Peace, Love, and Understanding is the song I probably want played at my funeral. Um, l- lately, I've been listening to Brandy Carlisle.
0: Wow. It
1: was just... Brilliant! I've seen her twice this year, and I just I just adore her songwriting and her way of being so personal and human on stage. Um, so that's one. That's certainly one place. Uh, I, I do have to watch out for isolating in those times, and that's when it's important for me to sort of force through the rice paper barrier and reach out to to friends, uh, e- even people I haven't talked to in a long time. Um, with sort of no agenda other than to be with them. Um, and so it, it sort of brings me back to, you know, this illusion of I, what, what they used to call on the landmark training or even asked before that, you know, the, the superstition of I. Mm-hmm. Um, to, to really recognize that even even though that's the way I perceive the world is through this, the, you know, the very senses I have of my own, my own brain that 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 really is an illusion that there's this this really is much more of a we so so it's really that that I think gets me gets me out of those funky moments faster than any others
0: beautiful uh, beautiful anything uh that you're reading these days that you're finding particularly valuable or inspiring <laughs> oh my because God, you funny. and John Grisham are buddies so it's probably just whatever oh, has yeah. fallen yeah. off the shelf for him Me and John Boy,
1: as I thought, no, that's that's not true at all. Not true at all. I'd like to
0: apologize to the Grisham family.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm back reading some great literature for like probably the the third time. Um, So I'm I'm finding that I'm 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 not that interested in reading, you know, help books or idea books, nonsense nonfiction stuff except for some history stuff i think there's some really interesting stuff michael beschloss just came out with this book which i'm forgetting the name of but it's about war powers of presidents how yeah that's developed in our uh, society for years and how many wars were concocted to save presidents from um, failing administrations from the mexican war or polk and the mexican war to the the spanish-american war the sinking of the of the ship in uh, havana harbor um through the wmds and and now the current concerns that and i I said this to people right after the 2016 elections. since my greatest fear was that when this current president starts failing uh he will turn to a war to uh, better. get you. them out of it because it's the only way to to bring people in this country together when you're failing yeah <clears So throat> I think that's a really interesting and he I think he's been researching that for years and years and years.
0: The book is um, titled Presidents of War for those of you Shopping um yeah i'm
1: I, I'm not reading coaching books that much i'm I'm watching videos I have a um I have a connection to um, the documentary world I, I coach. Um I coached the Sundance Institute. Um, used to be called Women in film, but for uh, women at Sundance, it's called something else now and the name escapes me. Um, but uh, one one set of documentaries i I got exposed to lately, which I think is great and I can figure out which what website it's at because it's a web it's a web series, short things. It's called a Cure for Fear. Um, And it's about a a Dutch psychiatrist uh, and scientist who has been exploring um, 24-hour cures for people with phobias and and PTSD, Hmm. which, you know, when I first heard about this, I was like, yeah, right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Another magic cure. Another quack. Another thing. But, I mean, I'm so taken with this doctor. Her name is Meryl. Kint or Kint, K-I-N-D-T, I think it is. Um, and it's all, you know, at the university in Amsterdam. And, and she, she uses a pill um, and she exposes people to their fear and gets it up to a certain level. And the idea, and this is, this is what's one of the things that's fascinating to me about coaching, is that it's an exploration of how our memories work. And what she's trying to do is to reopen this memory associated with the fear. And then you take this pill. I want to call it propapanol or something like that, which is an anxiety med. I mean, you just take one pill. And her theory is that it allows for the memory to be resaved in a different way. And the next day, they come back in and are exposed to the thing again, whether it's um, mice or cats, uh, one Afghanistan or Iraq vet with PTSD and you come back the next day and it's almost miraculously they're able to deal with this stuff um, without that fear. And, you know, my background's in acting. These people aren't acting. This is real. Uh, So uh, still a lot I want to learn about it, but I think it's so interesting in so many different ways.
0: Thank you so much for introducing us to that. I would never, even even as you were speaking, and I went on the web to find it. It was hard to find in between, you know, Bank of America ads. Um, thank you so much for sharing that with us. The name of the documentary again?
1: A cure for fear. Nice. It's and it's. I think it's four, four shorts. Amazing. Uh, you know, like a like a web series.
0: Let's talk about theater for a moment. You're a theater guy. You're not a you're not a film actor but a real serious actor teacher director of the stage correct
1: well i don't know whether i'd claim that title anymore it is something i've done in my past and, <laughs> you and have I, a master's degree it, in that sort of thing I think yeah. I, well i still think of myself as an actor strangely enough even though i've only done three professional acting jobs in the last 10 years but um but it's sort of my tribe yeah and, yeah. and so i think i watch movies and tv differently i, I I tend stage things differently than some other people do, I I think, uh, often metaphorically in those terms. Like if I'm in a creative project, I think of a a rehearsal process, Mm. which I, I have to keep reminding myself everybody doesn't think that way. So sometimes when I'll propose something, I get a lot of pushback. And I'm going, but no, you don't understand. This we're just getting this on its feet. We're gonna work this through. <laughs> <You know?
0: laughs> and they're just like, No, it's done. James. Yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. The um let's talk about uh, theater. Do you get to Broadway very often? Do you get to New York? Do you enjoy off Broadway, Broadway? Do you just look at the Charlottesville community uh, theater? What
1: Oh boy, I wish I could get I wish I could get there more more frequently. There's some just some really exciting stuff. Um we do get, fortunately, um, uh, Theater Live, which is uh, the the um, uh, Touring National Theater Live. It's the British oh. British stuff. So okay. uh, they you know they do a live taping a, a taping of a live performance, and then uh, it's, you know it's either simulcast or you can see it you know in different places around. And those are great. Our favorite thing locally uh, in a place called Stanton, Virginia, although it's spelled, looks like Staunton, but it's pronounced Stanton. It's where Woodrow Wilson grew up. It's just on the other side of the Blue Ridge Mountains. is the American Shakespeare Center.
0: I was going to ask if you had, uh, are you a Shakespeare fan? Are you an aficionado? Oh, love,
1: love, 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 love,
0: love, love, Okay, favorite Shakespeare play. Let's go.
1: Oh, gosh, for very different reasons. But uh, certainly Midsummer Night's Dream. Hmm, beautiful. Uh, Lear. Um... And for various, again, various, it depends on what I'm in the mood for. (laughs) (laughs) But this company was put together to try to um, emulate what we think we know about the way Shakespeare's companies performed. And it's it's done in a recreation of the Blackfriars Theater, which was the the indoor theater. And the theater itself is gorgeous. And this this cast of, of, of people who many have been with it for, for years and years um, uh, they, they have to be musicians so when you walk into the theater they're doing music and often it's modern music um, you, can, you buy food take it to your seats uh, there are seats on the stage they, their t-shirt says we do it with the lights on <laughs> so the, the audience lights don't go out it's wow. like you know, you're in this okay. place with the, with the lights on so everybody sees everybody and the way they do the comedy is brilliant. I would hold it up against anything I've seen anywhere in the world, in London or you know, anywhere. Um, so it's really fun, and you get to know the people, so they they become like you know, hey, I know you. It's great to right. see you. The, see you in the supermarket. Hey, thanks for that. Yeah. When
0: so, uh, I love it. Forgive me for interrupting your your reverie there. I want to make sure that um, <laughs> uh, any favorite role that you would love to play.
1: Oh, at my age? Okay. <laughs> or ever.
0: <laughs> oh, nice. I see your point. I
1: always, I always wanted to play Hamlet, and of course was never going to play Hamlet, which is why I became a director, I think. <laughs>
0: um, nice. Yes. It's funny what drives I, us in life, isn't it?
1: But I still love to do, oh, what a rogan peasant slave I'm! Am I, am I in front of the mirror sometimes just to get nice. my... Get my mouth around that beautiful,
0: yeah, that, beautiful s- language. Speaking of which, I I saw Jude Law do Hamlet on Broadway, and that guy owes me like 150 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're we're about to take a break. I want to remind people that they can get a hold of some of your work by. Uh, getting the book take charge of your talent a book that you wrote a while back with Don Maruska uh, but we can find out what's going on in Jay's life by going to Jay Perry that's J-A-Y-P-E-R-R-Y dot com Um when we come back I'm going to dive into everything we're going to talk about Thomas Leonard and your memories there we're going to talk about uh, your philosophy on coach credentials because it's an unusual one for a guy who started the ICF uh, as well as ADHD coaching and mentor coaching Um We've got about a minute or so before our break. Anything that you want to talk about that we've uh that I haven't mentioned
1: uh, well, I'm just surprised that we've talked about what we've talked about, and I'm delighted i hope I hope there's an audience that appreciates that so,
0: well, I, just so
1: I just so appreciate you being interested.
0: The two people that are listening have uh fallen asleep, <laughs> but we don't worry about that stuff here. Jay. We just keep going the um the let's talk about your about your brand for a second what's what's Jay Perry, what does Jay Perry bring for your clients? Because you've worked with a wide array of clients on a lot of yeah. different um, projects.
1: Well, I, I was once teaching a, a marketing class for, for coaches, and the branding thing came up. And, of course, some smart student asked me what my brand was, and I didn't have a good answer. So uh, I made up on the spot. I said, well, my brand is uh, I coach people who like me. <laughs> and went, ha, 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 ha. Right. And then I sat with that for a while and I said, you know, it's actually true. And from that it became my philosophy that my job as a coach was to be myself and that any investigation I did into my brand had to be about what does it mean for me to be me, to be authentic and the way I define authentic or distinguish authentic. It's the absence of our um, adaptations to fear.
0: Nice. I like how you brought it and back so, to,
1: there's yeah, a theme here around fear. Yeah, the fear, the fear thing. So that's sort of what I've played with. And again, it's an ongoing inquiry. I, I, I do not pretend to be the expert at it, but, uh, but it's given me a way to look at things, to say, how, how do I be myself? How do I be authentic? Because I think authenticity grants authenticity.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So if I can take off the masks and just hang, is it easier for other people to do that? And it, to a certain degree, I think that that's all anybody wants out of life, It's to be able to be themselves and have that be just fine, have it be just enough. What a beautiful... And that so much of our striving is because we think we're not...
0: That's beautiful. What a perfect note for us to take a break on. When we uh, come back in, what is it, Ross, about two minutes? When we come back, we'll be uh, continuing in our conversation with Jay Perry. We'll talk about everything from mentor coaching and coaching credentials to ADHD coaching and memories of Thomas Leonard. You're listening to The Coaching Show right here on Accomplishment Media. Available now at AccomplishmentMedia.com. We'll be back after this. Are you seeking to change your career to something that is both fulfilling and challenging? Do you want to help people reach their
1: full potential and strive to achieve their dreams? Would you like to inspire those around you to help create a better world? If you're serious about a career change or just want to explore the craft of personal coaching, contact Accomplishment Coaching. With locations across the country in Washington, D.C., Seattle, Chicago, New York City, and San Diego, Accomplishment Coaching is the leading institution in personal coaching. Our staff carefully monitors the entire program live during the training process and have met the strict standards of ICF International to achieve accreditation through a focus on quality and instruction. Rather than endless modules of training, Accomplishment Coaching will guide you from your very first step all the way to becoming one of the finest coaches in the world. Visit AccomplishmentCoaching.com to learn more. Accomplishment Coaching,
0: where coaches lead and leaders coach. Christopher McAuliffe is your source for the latest in the world of personal coaching. Whether it be speaking with such luminaries as Deepak Chopra or getting the newest techniques and innovation, the coaching show is always on the cutting edge of what's happening now. The Coaching Show is brought to you by Accomplishment Coaching, home of the World's Finest Coach Training Program. Here is Christopher McCall, Master Certified Coach. I feel like she should say that in a lower register, don't you, Jay? We're continuing Uh, in our conversation with the great Jay Perry. He's not only author of, uh, with Don Maruska, of Take Charge of Your Talent, Three Keys to Thriving in Your Career, Organization of Life. He's a master coach. He's currently on the teaching faculty of ADDCA, the ADD Coaching Academy, and works with people who've been diagnosed with ADD to take advantage of their special gifts. But more than all of that, in addition to being a coach since 1991, He's worked with legendary coach Thomas Leonard. He's participated in the creation of Coach University and the International Coach Federation, truly a pioneer in coaching. And um, one of your sort of signature positions or identifying factors is that you have a very unique commitment to credentialing coaches. That is, you're a master master coach, but you don't currently hold the master certified coach credential. Will you tell us what what your philosophy is on coaching credentials?
1: Oh, okay. So the short story is I used to be an MCC, a master certified coach through ICF. Uh, And uh, actually, while I was writing this book, I was focused on that and never saw any message that my credential was expiring. My bad. Uh, They also had a... um, a wrong email address for me, so they were notifying me. or were notifying somebody that my credential was expiring. By the time it expired, uh, I uh, and I don't think they'd ever had this circumstance before. Um, they didn't have a path for me to get my credential back. Uh, and so a bunch of people went to bat for me because the current uh, administrators had no idea who I was, and there were some people who said, oh, "Hang on a second, this guy was there at the beginning." Um, but so what they, what they were asking me to do is to still do a couple of recordings and have those reviewed. Mm-hmm. And as I was doing that, I was really struggling with it. Um, and I had some people who were in the know listen to them, and they said, well, Jay, you're clearly a master coach, but you won't pass the exam. Mm-hmm. Uh, I said, well, that's, you know, this is not fun. And what I finally came to was that um, I actually did not agree with the process of credentialing that was going on with ICF. I understand it. I respect the people who have put it together. I, I, I sort of understand where it came from. Um, and certainly for me, it was now uh, 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 was now interference in terms of my coaching. When I spoke to other master certified coaches who I knew for a long time, they'd say, oh, yeah, yeah, I would do that for the credentialing exam, but that's not how I coach. Right. Uh, so there seemed to be a certain lack of integrity. Uh I would refer people to, I I wrote a a series of three articles, that I'm actually quite proud of, they're available at my website, uh, jperry.com, under musings, you go there, Um, which was my own exploration of what I thought a master coach was, and it it really was, I I tried to do it like an inquiry, I didn't start out with, with clarity about what it was, I really asked myself the questions, and engage other people. And so these articles are sort of a reflection of that. And what I came up with for myself um, was that coaching is love and wonder that leads to effective action. Mm. And again, for me, what I came to was that rather than trying to judge competencies, which again, my philosophy, so again, I, 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 i'm saying this with respect but this is my truth is that when we started the icf we were really afraid we were afraid that we wouldn't be taken seriously that we uh the therapists would come and sue us and mm-hmm. it's still in some cases there are evidently a, some concerns about that
0: right there's a defensive so, concern right
1: right so that the so that the approach was how do we how do we look like everybody else how do we how do we blend in with current professions so that we're taken seriously and avoid these concerns? And then as it went international, man, trying to come up with credentials that work in Germany as well as Taiwan, as well as Australia. I mean, it's huge challenges. So I think that's where it came from. Uh, I, I think from, from, from my perspective, I wish we had taken the opportunity to say, no, this is a profession unlike any other. And we need a different approach. And so when I started thinking about this, what I was thinking of was not competencies and complicating this process and saying um, uh, you have to be so professional in a, in a conceptual way, but rather what's the essence? What are the essentials of coaching? And if we can communicate those things Maybe we can make it more available to people. Maybe we can make it actually raise the standards because we're getting more to the point than all of the frou frou. Um, there's so much for me to say about this that stopped me any time, but I, I can get uh, oh, I can start going down one one path. But one of the things that I uh, I took from was. Um, Charlie Munger, who is Warren Buffett's partner at mm-hmm. Berkshire Hath- Hathaway, and is in his 90s now, brilliant, brilliant man.
0: Right, uh, and, and, and very, the and the no guy he, to Warren's yes, <laughs> Sorry. yes, very, very, very funny. But he was being—I saw
1: an interview uh, several times actually, being interviewed about what their secret was mm-hmm. to you know being the wealthiest, most successful investors on the planet. And he basically goes through these four things that they look for. And the interviewer said, "Well." why doesn't everybody do that and we said well it's this thing about you know professionals that they, they have to there would be no but there would be nothing to teach in universities there would be no, you know it it, it over, you know people can't deal with this level of simplicity they have to have something more complicated to justify their existence uh, so it makes me pause and sad in a way over the proliferation of coaching schools and how that has happened you know my coaching education was being, was being mentored by Thomas Leonard. And when we started Coach U, I was the first teacher outside of Thomas. Um, I'm not defending that. I, I think there's wonderful things that are possible from schools. But, but at a certain cost, when we, when we begin to overcomplicate things and begin to defend our own turf by saying you can't live, you can't be part of this tribe unless you get all of those things right, uh, so when I when I started in the world of ADHD coaching, um, which I did because discovered my wife was an ADDer and we've been together 39 years and for a bunch of that time not knowing that I actually did a bad job of partnering with her because I I was ignorant. Um, so I, I I've I've learned an appreciation for some of the differences. And realized that as I was trying to train ADHD coaches, they were having a, even a tougher time with the ICF credentialing, mm-hmm. because <clears throat> trying to trying to hit all of those competencies and everything was just interference. They couldn't keep their presence while trying to remember to do all these things.
0: Well, I think I think that this is an important piece, and I really want to highlight and sort of bring neon lights in on this piece. So the ICF clearly with their. Adv- vent of over the last several years of PCC markers is moving towards an ISO sort of you know, uh, mm-hmm. uh, pr- uh, framework for coaching credentialing. And as you say, sort of from that same, what I'm going to call a defensive mindset of, like, proving that we're a profession, right? And so if you've got these markers, then you have done coaching at this level, and if you do these markers, right? Whereas, historically, it's been much more subjective than that, and and you would advocate even more subjectivity in the the credentialing or evaluating of coaches, it sounds like. I'm not sure
1: about that, but...
0: Well, what is your... Well, I, mean, I think
1: that the effort to markers was to try to minimize the variation right. in, in who was listening and, and approving or, or not approving of things, which I, I, can, I can understand. Um, the, and this is still in development. I, I am now chair of the credentialing committee for PAC, which is the Professional Association of ADD Coaches. Mm-hmm. And we are—we uh, have made this bold, experimental decision to depart from the ICF approach to see to see if there's a way that something that we could invent that would not only uh, be more ADHD-friendly and and attractive to people, but actually raise the standards. But it's not that it's subjective; it's actually that we're we're. We are focusing on four essentials that we're listening for, but we're doing it as a community, rather rather than doing it as there are the. I always think of the movie Flashdance, and when she walks in at the end, it actually actually. This is now that would be that would be a, a violation of my, of confidentiality. Thanks for looking. I have some I have some association with that with this scene in the movie. Uh, that, you know, when she walks into that room and there's these people sitting behind a table judging her. Right. And she stri- tries to do this thing and they're not interested. They're doing all this stuff. And then, then she just, like, turns on the boom box and just, like, takes off and their minds are blown. But but the, changing it from that, from there are the people on the inside doing the judging to much more of a community effort. Hmm so that uh, although there would be an, a knowledge assessment that is organized in a, in a way that is done in, in discrete modules so it's ADD friendly and lots of practice tests so people can't actually take the final exam until they've passed all the practice tests. Mm. The, the actual coaching piece is done with review forms that just highlight these four essentials. And you're asked to collect at least 100 review forms which sounds like a lot but I mean you could have 30 review forms at one one, coaching session if you had people listening to that thing and it's not just the reviewers we want the entire community anybody who's associated with it anybody who is um, who is a candidate for a credential as a member of PAC listening and responding to that
0: let's let's Um, go let me interrupt with a couple of different uh, side trips ready the first is uh, ADHD coaching this is something that, what I know about it, and this is several years old, is that there was some at some point some sort of an uprising. There was an ADHD conference for ADHD coaches, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when it was sort of in its nascency or infancy. And then there were two different approaches, and there was sort of a takeover bid and like that. Now, I know that you've, uh, you're aligned with or on the faculty of the ADD Coaching Academy. And forgive me for, will you pronounce David's last name for me? Good work. Thank you. I've been privileged to have him on the show. We talked about it uh, over the years as ADHD coaching sort of developed. Is there still a schism in ADHD coaching, or have the sort of various factions kind of come together in a unified front? Or did one side win? How did that work out?
1: <laughs> I actually don't know that much about that history. I'm sort of a you know a Johnny come lately to okay. this, uh, but I have been I have been tutored on it, um, and uh, Yes, there have been different perspectives. I think those were growing pains. I mean, in the early day of our profession, the, the two dominant forces were Coach U and CTI. Right. Each one had, you know, there was ICF, and I can't remember what the CTI thing was. Uh, and then they merged. Um, so I think that we're in the process now of, of rebranding and, and um, reaching out to everybody through PAC, through the professional association uh... to try to come up with something that is not adca centric or uh... you know any other school or approach centric but is is a, um is a wider perspective that includes um, the views of therapists and doctors uh... as well as people who have have come to this from different approaches and training from positive psychology from you know lots of different approaches um, trying to come up with and that's what, one of the reasons for the essentials because rather than try to say you have to do it this way like i could take any of the of the core companies in ICF and argue against them i would say i don't, my clients don't aren't the experts in what they know they, that's silly
0: it's almost like you you have to get outside of the context or the reality yeah. of the client so that, as to be able to provide more possibility or more options yeah
1: yeah. So, uh, I mean, so, th- so that's the attempt. And again, we're, we're in process. It's an experiment. We're going to be doing beta versions and this is going to take a while to come out the other side, but Rehearsals. everybody we've talked to in the profession is really excited to see that there is a, a recognition that something needs to be different for, for these people. Um, you know, ICF has very consciously chosen not to engage in specialties. Mm-hmm. Um, And this is something that requires a specialty, and ADHD coaching um, education is part of it because there's lots of of things that ADDers don't know. And we're now talking about, in some studies, we're talking about between ADD, autism, and dyslexia, maybe as much as 25% of the the population. I don't have all the science behind those figures, but even if you take half of that, um, this is a, a, a... something that's a challenge to our educational system it's a challenge for productivity because one of the things we also pretty much know is ADDers are for the most part really smart and and the education system has told them they're not so they live with a lot of shame so there are specific issues to working with the ADHD community understanding the differences in and literally literally neurology and neurochemistry
0: yeah I uh, said impact it I said uh, two side trips. The other side trip I want to take is to mentor coaching and supervision. We were delighted to have um, Damien Goldvarg on uh, last week, and he talked about co- mentor coaching and coaching supervision as two very different things and equally important and critical in the development of the profession. How do you see them?
1: Oh, Damien, I love you. And we've had this conversation. Damien and I have had this conversation. Um, so we are on different, we, are, we, we view this differently. Uh, for me, mentor coaching is and has always been. I, I view it as though I've got three hats on. I'm there to coach the person because part of mentorship is for somebody to be, learn how to become a great client. I think mm-hmm. that's part of a coach's training. Nice. Uh, there to help them with their business, and you know if, if they're in the process of, of, of building a business. And the third is this thing called supervision, or, or being able to talk about clients and what's going on with them and and all of that uh when first time i heard about this was from damien and he said oh today this is so exciting you have to have a take a a video watch this and you'll see what we're talking about i watched it and i said damien that's coaching what's different he said no no you're they're sharing themselves their own stories i'm going of course i do (laughs) that why yeah and And so I I rebel against it for a number of reasons. One, I I, I think that the notion of supervision, which exists in in psychology, which to to deal with the fact that the coaches, that the uh, therapists uh, are actually not being themselves in certain therapeutic approaches. You know, they do have a mask on and they do need a place to be able to be themselves and express themselves and get guidance and empathy and all of that. In addition to getting other perspectives of how to work with those with those patients uh, from people who are, you know, perhaps more experienced or wiser. Uh, what I was taught by Thomas Leonard was the end of every coaching session, you're complete. That's it. if i'm not if I'm carrying something with me after a coaching session, I didn't do my job as a coach. I stepped over something. I didn't express myself and I think if by adding this other thing we actually here I have a little emotion behind this Mm -hmm. we're actually adding to that notion that coaching should be done in a particular way that doesn't have the coach be fully present as themselves authentically so that gets me going the second thing is we need coaches in the world and again this whole professional thing we're now setting up this another thing um, another complication another stratum that says coaching is this deep and curable uh, coaching simple it's love and wonder that leads to effective action get over it get over <laughs> this over complicating stuff so that's uh, my perspective and i love you damien my uh
0: my line which feel free to steal is coaching is very simple otherwise i couldn't do it <laughs> the um let's talk about thomas leonard we've got about i don't know five or six minutes left in our time together today um you worked with him very closely. You were, if, if we're not breaking confidentiality, I believe that you've shared that you were a client, you co-developed things. Um, tell us about Thomas, and, and I'm particularly interested in the lasting legacy. Here's a guy who's been so yep. important in our profession and has been gone for quite a while, but man, his, his legacy is here.
1: Well, I, you know, I can just testify. I mean, he he gave me a life I never would have had. You know, I found him. I was I was actually referred to him a couple steps back. Henry House, who was one of wow. the founders of Coach's Training Institute, used to be my employee at Actors Information Project. Wow. And so it was Henry that referred me to Thomas when my life was falling apart, and I, I literally was emotionally, spiritually, financially. You know just at the bottom Uh, and here was this guy who was younger than me a a gay accountant from Utah Uh, you know it's like there was nothing there was like nothing logically that we had in common and yet at this point in my life his love for me got through in a way that all of the other people I knew who loved me could not And so when I say love and wonder, I'm not, you know, this is coming from a deep personal experience. I felt I was being loved by this other human being. And he was, you know, he was a no BS guy, uh, you know, just said it like it was. But he always did it with with a a kind of empathy and a kind of confidence that had me think things are going to be all right. And he allowed me to walk up to the edge and to take steps that that I didn't think I was capable of taking on my own. So, to me, that's a lasting legacy personally. Um, he was also a person who was very troubled in many ways, um, from from what we understand, you know, by bipolar disorder, um, had some some real struggles in his life. Um, And still was, you know, again, for me, part of the legacy is you don't have to um, be the perfect person to be a coach. You don't have to have a Tony Robbins persona, you know, like, look at how great I am, um, to be able to be that that kind of effective
0: coach. Yeah, his notion of everyone can coach is, you know... (laughs) reminiscent now of the everyone can cook from Ratatouille but um yeah. the the notion is one that has sort of permeated coaching and arguably led to a bunch of you know non-credential non-trained amateur coaches out there um you're committed to coaching being coaching evolving and coaching being a high level profession i'm hearing but also that it be led by if i'm picking up what you're laying down uh love and wonder instead of skill and um strategy there's a question in there somewhere
1: yeah yes 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 um this is a this is a um this is a big canvas and i think there's probably room for a lot of different things um you know, I've backed away from uh, a lot of executive coaching because I, I, I didn't feel like I had the room to be myself, to be as authentic as I wanted to be in some circumstances or the the needs of the organization were asking me to fit into some kind of box that I wasn't comfortable with. Um, so I think that there, it, it doesn't have to be one thing. Uh, I'm not so concerned about the people who call themselves coaches and aren't, very good coaches, because if they're not very good coaches, they, you know, they may rip some people off, but they won't last very long, yeah. uh, or, or they'll start a cult or something like that, and, you know, but those are going to be the aberrations. I don't, I don't think those, uh, that's not something I want to organize my life and thinking around. Um,
0: we've, it's been a delight to have you here. I hope that you've had a good time, but I know that I have, and we have listening to your musings, views and experience. We've got just about a minute left and I want to give it to you. If you had something to say to 50,000 or so coaches today from your experience, from your time, everything from with Thomas to time on the stage, what would you leave us with today? What's your parting thought or parting shot for us today?
1: Well, I think the only, um, True prerequisite for a coach, in my mind, is self-love. Not not narcissism, not egotism, but the have, being able to get to a place where you you really are fine with yourself, that you're proud of yourself, that you live a life that is where your needs are being met, where you're able to live according to your values, um, where you're able to be Uh, have some humility which you know means that you know that there's a lot you don't know Um, and from there everything else you know even if all you did was listen generously and tell the truth about what you hear you know you're going to make the world a better place
0: so beautiful Um, if there were a legacy if we were talking to Someone that had worked with you years and years from now fifty years from now what would you have your legacy be?
1: Oh my gosh uh, I did it's funny I just uh, I just got something from somebody um, yesterday who had uh, was, had been in a group of mine many years ago I'm talking like 15 18 years ago and has written his second or third book and, and was writing to tell me that I had dedicated a chapter to me and it was because his coaching style had taken so much from mine that that if I listened to him he'd think that I was listening to <laughs> listening to myself coach. I was uh, I, I think that, that thing is that the the moments when we think we've accomplished something as a coach fade very quickly. The things that we have absolutely oh, no idea.
0: I'm so sorry. We're going to stay on with you so that you can finish your thought. I just didn't want you to have to talk over that. Will you finish your thought? Do you oh, okay. remember where you were?
1: Yeah, it's just that the, the probably the biggest differences we make as coaches, we will never know. You know, they, they, they come from somebody 10 years later saying, you remember that thing you said? Or maybe we'll never hear about it. It's true. And somehow we need to be able to be fine with that.
0: Beautiful. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for your... It, Commitment to our profession and to always being out on the cutting edge. And thanks for spending this time with us. It's really great to be with you. My pleasure. All right. That's Jay Perry. The website is jayperry.com to find out more about his musings, his blog, and of course, the book, Take Charge of Your Talent, Three Keys to Thriving in Your Career, Organization, and Life a delightful master coach and found one of the founders, the pioneers of our profession. I thank you dear listener for being with us the extra time today. And we will, as we do each and every week, bring you people out on the cutting edge of coaching people that you need to know about and, uh, uh entertain you while we educate you. Thank you so much for being with us. And as we say, we will talk to you next week. The Coaching Show is brought to you by Accomplishment Coaching, home of the World's Finest Coach Training Program. That's all for today's edition. We will talk to you next week.